Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class is sponsored by Ruti and Rafi Fuzailov, dedicated in honor of the marriage of their daughter, Shelly to Eliyahu Atias, Mazaltob Simantob Mabruk. As well, the week of Kolbru, I don't know what's going on over here. It says here it's sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. But yesterday, Rafi Hasmani sponsored the Kolbru uh, in honor of his father, um, uh, Shilo, uh, Shilomo Ben, no, Amelia. Nisim Ben Amelia. Okay. Um, and as well, Breakfast in the Class dedicated in commemoration of the Askara of Seli Kezri. Uh, sponsored by our sons Gabby and Jimmy Kesri. And Breakfast in the Class is sponsored by Gabe Morrow with deep gratitude to Haron, Sami, and the Kahal for the continued Tehillim for the Rufuashema of my dear father, Yisrael Yehuda Ben Shprinza, and with infinite gratitude, Fashem Chesed and Rahamim. Finally, dedicated in loving memory of Jacob's father, uh, Shaul Ini. Where's Jacob? He had to go. Okay. Oh, there he is, right behind the camera. Shaul Ini, Lilun Ishmat Shaul Ben Victoria, sponsored by Raquel and Jacob Eni and family. Ruach Adonai Tenehayu Began Eden. And as well as a refuah shelema for uh, the child that has captured all of our imaginations. Um, Yaakov Yisrael Ben Tamar Malka. Please say a chapter of Tehillim. Uh, take a mitzvah of chesed. Do something. Bring Shabbat in early. Forgive someone that you're upset at. And in that zechut, we should see a miracle that we need to see. Baruch atah Adonai. Eloheinu melech ha'olam she'akol ni'amit baro. Amen. Okay, let us begin. My friends, I want to share with you something very powerful that I was reading. And it's interesting because in many ways, uh, it shows its head in a million different uh, instances. And, uh, and almost in every case, the, uh, the reason is identical. The pasuk says that uh, when Moshe Rabbeinu collected all of the money, um, and they looked after Moshe until he came to the, ch- to the tent. And there's a fascinating midrash over here. Why are they looking at Moshe Rabbeinu as he walks away towards his tent? You're not going to believe this midrash. So when Moshe finished the Mishkan, and they're looking after Moshe, what are they saying? Echad amar lishvach. One of them said, wow, shuf. Ashre yoladeto. mishkan. Wow, praiseworthy is the one that gave birth to this, to this person. You know, why? He merited to put up the mishkan. Magnificent. The other one is looking at Moshe, saying, look, there he goes. Look at his neck. Look how wide it is. Look at how much fat he has on the back of his neck. Comes from the money of the Mishkan. Look, this guy, he collected all the money, he's using it all to buy himself, uh, you know, Wagyu beef. Yani. You look at this midrash, you're like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? There's a magnificent perspective here, my friends. And I want to illustrate the perspectives in the words of Apirion Shilomo. He says as follows. Imagine, he says, you walk in with three people into the Beit Knesset upstairs. The first guy you walk in with, Avi, is an architect. 
What does the architect see? You tell him, shuf, look. What does he look? He starts looking at the beams. He's looking, he's noticing the pillars. Okay, that one is load-bearing, that one is cosmetic. What's going on? He sees the architecture of the room. The second guy is an electrician. He's noticing the lights, how they should be changed to LEDs. Instead, he's realizing also that, uh, how, my gosh, how much must it cost to heat or cool this place? It's got a 100-foot ceiling. It's more beautiful, but uh, probably a bomb to maintain. The third guy is a carpenter. He's looking at the benches. Oof, solid oak. He grabs the item, he shakes it. Every guy, he knocks on the wood. He, wa he wants to see, is this Formica? What's going on over here? Right? He took a look at the bima. He looks underneath the construction. He's looking at it like this. You look at the rabbi. The rabbi's looking, which sidurim do they have? You know, they have the chumash. Are they using this one? They're using kol Yaakov. Which chumash are they looking at? The that's what the rabbi sees. Every person who walks in, he sees not what's there, but what he is. What he thinks of, what he's, you know, obsessed with, what he deals with, what's his line of work, what's in his eyes already. So the electrician sees the electrics, the architect sees the architecture, the naga, the, the carpenter sees the carpentry, the rabbi sees the books, and that's, and, and that's what they see. Now, if you ask them, what are you looking at? Everyone will answer you, well, I'm looking at a shul. I'm looking at Beit Knesset. But the description and the definition of what they're seeing and what they're noticing and what they're looking at can be radically different based on who they are, what they do, what is constantly in their minds. You know, I remember reading a beautiful story. Uh, and it's so beautiful to me because it kind of, it's like an overlay of, of our lives. When Rav Chaim Kanievsky was young, so he went to the park. He went to, you know, one of these nature parks in Israel called the Yarkon. And he went there with his father. Who's his father? Rav Yisrael Yaakov Kanievsky. Both Gidole Hador. And they're walking through the park. The, the Rav Chaim Kanievsky and his father. Although he was known as a stipler. Not to be confused with the stapler, that's a different thing. Anyway, they're in this park. They're walking around. All of a sudden, the father turns to the son. He says, look, look, honey. And he points to the water. And he says, look, that's the Mishnah. We say in Bamim Adlikin every Friday night that a person is allowed to use different things to light. You can't use this, you can't use this. What's one of them? And not with the green which rests on the surface of the water. What's he talking about? The moss, the algae that sits at the top of the water. You could take it, dry it, and use it as a, a source of fuel. And the Mishnah says you're not allowed to use that for, uh, to light Shabbat candles. So I go and I see a big open space to throw a football. The kid goes and he sees whatever. The bird watcher goes and he sees birds. The other guy goes and he sees trees. The, the kid goes and he sees the guy selling the balloon in the ice cream stand. Everybody sees what they're obsessed with. So you and I see that, and what, did rabbi, what does a rabbi see? He looks at the park and he sees a Mishnah. Do you understand? 
I remember once <clears throat> I was learning in Yeshivat Mir. And the Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbi Finkel, came in to give a speech. And I'll never forget the things he taught us. Because when he taught us, he would teach us through the most incredible disability you could imagine. He had advanced Parkinson's and he refused to take the medicine because Rabbi Gifta called him and told him, if you take the medicine, don't, don't you're going to forget your learning. I took it. My biggest regret, don't take the medicine. He tells Rabbi Finkel, Rabbi Finkel listens. And you should see him walking down the street. We used to see him every day. Again, not to be disrespectful. But when the rabbi would walk down the street, he looked like he was a marionette. You know what the marionette is? The puppet with all the strings? His arms are flying like this. Literally, that's what he looked like. His arms all over the place, his legs all over the place, he's walking disjointed. It was to see someone like that, refusing to take the medicine. Because for him, there's something more important. That's what he sees in life. So he would come, and I never, I'll never forget, he was so weak, there would be three shtenders to hold him up. One on each side, and one that he would lean on. That's how he would start the shiur. And he would start the shiur. Again, anyone that was in the yeshiva can tell you. He would start the shiur and he would be talking like this. This is the sound of his voice. Very weak. But as he got more and more into the shiur, he was filled with energy, with adrenaline, with excitement. That by the end of the shiur, he was thundering. It was unbelievable. You witnessed the Torah take over a broken body and bring it to life. It was like Pinocchio becoming a real boy. It was... I must say, it is one of the sites that is burned into my memory forever. And at one of the speeches he gave in the Bet Midrash I would study in, he spoke about a time when he went to a park, to, a, uh, to Niagara Falls. And he stood there, he said, and I heard the falls. Has anyone here ever been to Niagara Falls? You, he you hear the falls. It's a roar. You just, it's non-stop. It doesn't waver. It doesn't go louder and lower. It's just constant. That's what you hear. And he says, and I heard the falls. And what did I hear, he says. Listen to what he said. This is what Rev. Nassim Sui Finkel hears when he listens to a waterfall. He says, I hear Mikolot Maim Rabim Adirim Mishbereyam from the sounds of a great many, a great vast amount of water, Mishbereyam, that the, the, the breaking waves in the sea, the sound that you would hear. And what do you hear? Adir Bamarom Amonai. The waters proclaim Adir Bamarom Amonai. How God in the heavens, He is uh, all-powerful. He is wondrous. He's great. He's, you know, now, this is so special. Because you and I are hearing literally a sound. And He's hearing Yerat Shamayim. He's hearing connectedness with God. He's hearing the magnificence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rambam writes an incredible piece. He says that there's two ways that a person comes to recognize God in their life. 
One way is a person studies the Torah, comes close, understands, and through that he understands God. But elsewhere, Rambam writes also that if a person wants to be able to see and understand and feel God's presence in his life, <laughs> right? he should look at his deeds, and his creations, that are wondrous. He should contemplate the vastness of space, you know, the unending nature of the ocean, how deep, the soaring, you know, tops of the mountains, the freezing cold weathers, the powerful storms, the beautiful sun, all of the wonderful things of creation. Umiyad, says Haramam. And immediately he's filled with a love and with a connection to Boreolam. So Rabbi Meiselman, he said, I work, I was in, in, uh, in Yeshiva University at the time. And he said, and we had, you know, in the yeshiva, we had the yeshiva part, and we also had all the professors in the science department. He says, never once did I hear while walking through the hallways in the science department, one of the professors, that not religious, not Jewish, come running out of the lab saying, oh my God, there is a God. They never discovered something, they never witnessed something, and that was their outcome. So how could Harambam write this? That if you witness the wonders of God, you'll see Him. If there are many people who look through a telescope all day long, and they never see Him. And the answer is, my friends, this Midrash. What do you see? Not so much what you want to see, as much as what you actually are. You're an architect, you see architecture. That's what you see. I found something here that I thought was so special. You see, you see Moshe Rabenu walking past. And one person sees the person that built the Mishkan. One person sees, <laughs> one person sees a tzaddik, what a zechut, not only you're blessing him, you're blessing his parents, his mother, his father. And the other person, what does he see? Look at how fat his neck is. Now to me that's amazing. If Moshe Rabbeinu walked inside the room right now, anyone here, would you notice his neck? You're looking at Moshe, remember, Moshe's face is shining like the sun. He needs to wear a mask in order to mask that glow that's coming from the Shekhinah that's imparted to him. <laughs> he goes up to the Shamayim. He does the miracles and splits the sea. He brings the manna down. Does everything Jewish people need. Turns the water sweet. Brings the water from the rock. However he brought it. Could you imagine? He walks in. And everyone's like, oh wow, that's the guy that split the sea. That's the guy that... And then there's that one guy who says... I don't know, it looks like a size 18. What do you think? 18 and a half neck? <laughs> Who's this guy? Who's this guy, Rabotai? This guy is us. The guy who wanted to see Moshe Rabenu as less than. The guy who wants to see the rabbi make mistakes. The guy who wants to see the leaders of the community brought down to his level. 
The guy that wants to see his wife, that's hurtful, that she's not perfect. He's looking to see. After she told him he was late, he's waiting. Remember that? It was the say in the kids' movies. What do we do now? And now we wait. Every husband, after he's been criticized by his wife. And now we wait. She comes down. He goes, oh, you ready now? Because I've been waiting here for, because you said, you said 3 o'clock. It's now we're at 3.30. Yeah. So remember when you yelled at me for being five minutes late earlier. So, uh, that's, I guess that's like seven yellings. No, six yellings to be precise. That I would have, but I, I, I'm not going to yell at you. I just the type of person I am. <laughs> that's just not how I was raised. <laughs> Do you understand? What a beautiful line. In Devarim, chapter Yud Aleph, Moshe Rabbeinu tries to remind the Jewish people of everything that they saw. You saw how God took you out of Egypt. You saw how God dealt with this. You saw how God did that time to Aviram. You saw, you saw, you saw, you saw, you saw. He lists a whole list of things that if the, if the Jewish people remember those things, they'll, they'll do pretty well for themselves. Like, it will keep them in line. And then he ends with one powerful sentence. Enechem Your eyes, your eyes, haro'ot that saw everything that Hashem did. Strange expression after he told them, you saw this and 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 you saw this. Your eyes saw everything Hashem did. What Moshe was communicating is, these are the facts. This is what happened. I don't know how you looked at it. Because end of the day, your eyes saw it. What your eyes did with it. Now, I want to share with you some, something interesting, scientific. Where are the images that you see with your eyes? Where are they? Where are they made? Where are they created? Most people think sight is here, right there, the edge of the cornea, right there. That's when you're seeing, that's where you're seeing. But the truth is, that's not the case at all. The light waves, they come into the eye, they, uh, they hit the back of the, of the eye, of the, of the, uh, uh, of the uh, I'm forgetting the terms specifically, of the cornea, I think it is. Those things are, the retina, those messages are then transferred through the optic nerve into the brain, and in the brain is where you see that image. Do you hear that? That means that the image is not really in the eye, which is the instrument of sight. What you see actually is created in your brain, the place where you think thoughts. Think about that. What you see is not what you see. What you see is what you think you see. Enechem haro'ot, says Moshe. I don't know what you guys saw, but let me tell you what happened. From this idea, I think there are many concepts. There are many things that a person could learn, many lessons. Of course, the obvious lessons on the surface of this is that a person can choose to see things positively or negatively. 
Because if what you see is dependent on what you think and how you think, and what you do and how you are, if you're a positive person, you'll see positive things. You'll see positively. If you're a happy person, you'll see happy things. If you're a uh, goal-oriented person, then you see solutions. If you're a complainer, you see problems. That's what you're training yourself to see. That's what you'll see. Simple level, simple lesson. But then there's another lesson here. And I think that this lesson is literally the same idea turned inside out like a sock. <clears throat> perhaps, perhaps if you're someone that always sees negative things, that always sees negative people, that looks around and wonders, how come I got this and I got that and I'm with this one and my kids and my wife and my husband and my in-laws and my mother, father-in-law and my friends, they did this, they did that, they did whatever. Maybe it's you. Because if everything you're seeing is negative, maybe, maybe the reason is because maybe instead of trying to change everybody else, if I could just change my wife, just my daughter, my son, I could just change my, just, if I just got him, if I just have someone talk to him, if I just, instead of changing everybody else, maybe it's your eyes that are seeing. Maybe you're looking at someone as great and as grand as Moshe and you're asking if he's a size 18 and a half. And if he's a size 18 and a half, maybe he stole money from the Mishkan. Are you a person that thinks that way? How they could rip off? When you see a business deal, you think, oh, you know, if I did this, no one would catch me. You know? You look at the, you read over the contract to see if the other guy made any mistakes so you could literally skewer him and stick him to the wall. That's how you read it. Oh, I, I can't be a thief. They closed that loophole. If that's how you read the contract, then you look at Moshe and what do you see if you're a thief? You see a thief. In the expression of the Gemara, this is called Kola posel bemumo posel. Anyone who, uh, who nullifies, who degradates, who denigrates someone, how do they denigrate them? How do they put them down? With their own flaws. The projection of your flaw is seen on the other. You then express it from that place. You say, oh, he's... This guy is a thief. And you know what? You don't say the second part out loud. When you bring, you're like, and I would know. And I would know. Because that's exactly how I would do it. <clears throat> Can I ask you one last question? If you want to say that Moshe is fat, why of all body parts are you noticing it on his neck? So, simple answer. Boom. Clothing. But he had, he had nice jawline, right? He had no fat on his face. Very beautiful, beautiful, mm, like this. That's what he looked like. It's just his neck that gave him away. Is that what it was? He didn't have fat legs. He didn't have a big stomach. You know, you have a very big stomach, the, the clothing doesn't cover it. That's what he noticed, that Moshe's neck was fatter. Why? That of all things. I think there's a Musar here as well. You know, what is the function of the neck? Imagine we had no neck. There are some people that you meet like that. There's a guy in London, they used to call him No Neck. 
Very funny guy, actually. Great guy. But imagine your head was just literally on your shoulders. <laughs> this is one of the instances when you need to be watching the video because <laughs> you, you, you ain't getting this comedy gold on the, uh, on the Spotify. Right? What if you hadn't known that you were like this? What, how would your life be materially different? You can't turn your head. That's the function of the neck. Everything else could just be built into the chassis. The difference is that you can't see something and turn your head another way, stay in your spot, and turn and see things from another angle. The only way to see something in another angle is to actually physically turn your body. So someone who doesn't have a neck is a person who can only see something from the angle he is facing. Exactly the lesson that the Midrash is trying to teach us. Look at how fat this guy's neck is. He's noticing a pesul in the thing that is pesul in him. His own neck is pesul. His own situation is that he can only see things from the angle that he is facing, from the person that he is. That's the only way. So that's what he sees. So that's where he found the mistake in Moshe Rabbeinu. My friends, um, we should all be zocher be'ezat Hashem to uh, have what the Mishnah calls an ayin toba, a good eye. We should be zocher when we see that we have an ayin ra to recognize that it is not in the person and the people that we are seeing, but rather in ourselves. And if we have opened up our eyes and we were willing to look properly and we weren't so invested in having the person uh, be destroyed in front of our very eyes, then we might be seeing something very differently. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.